I hope that's your prayer this morning, that you'll say yes to the Lord when He calls to you and, and um, asks you to um, help Him. And that's what this sermon is, is about. It's about a time like this. Times like these, we need to be dedicated to the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Esther, chapter 4. Um, one of the, my favorite stories of the Old Testament is, is this one. A young woman put into a position uh, to help her own people. And uh, in chapter 4, beginning with verse 12, it says this, And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews uh, to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, um, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Let's pray again. Lord, we just ask God that you add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We live in a society today that makes it hard to live um, a Christian life or, or to live by faith. Christianity is um, increasingly being pushed out of the, um, of the public square, so to speak, uh, you know, uh, out of the annals of, of debate. And it seems like... Um, you know, it just it, it continues to be pushed out. Now, th there has been some good news uh, lately and more recently that, that I've seen that, that encourages me about um, how our country treats uh, Christians. Um, but, but you can uh, be, be assured that there is a group of people who, who hate Christianity, who hate what it stands for, who hate its values, who, who despise the Bible and everything uh, to do with it, um, because uh, the, the Bible purports to be the truth and it, and it limits people in terms of their sin and, and in particular the, the whole idea of sexual immorality. In fact, I, you know, some people view Christians, uh, dedicated Christians, as judgmental. Um, I, I saw in, in the paper the other day, this is the first time I've ever seen this word, and it makes no sense whatsoever that Christians were being called Christo-fascist. Um, what, whatever that means, I have no idea. Uh, that, that I guess because Christians think that, that they uh, are authoritarians or are trying to take over or, or whatever. Um, and it used to be that, that Christians were very anti, and it still is true, very, very anti-oppression, very anti-fascism. Um, um, but anyway, the, the, those two words don't go together <laughs> at all. And, you know... I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, that we're a country under persecution. Um, you know, th there, there is um, a great deal of freedom throughout our country. 
But we know that, that in these um, big corporate uh, uh, corporations and, and in, the, in the big cities, uh, that, that there's a lot of anti-Christian sentiment among people. And, and one day maybe it might even be that, that Christians are imprisoned for their faith um, here, in, here in, in uh, Western uh, civilization or, or, or in America. I, I, I think our bigger danger, though, is the complacency of the church and especially since it's allowed this progressive agenda to come in to, to the church uh, that, that says that, that, that these are various forms of, of sin, what the Bible calls sin, are okay. And, and that, that there, there is no call to repentance and faith. Uh, that there is no call to transformation in the gospel. Um, sinners are always welcome in the church. But they, but they have to realize what their sin is and that Christ calls us to a transformed life. That, that there is a, a faith to gain and, and, and a repentance to have and salvation in Christ alone. Now we all, we, but we see, in, especially in other countries, um, uh, we know this is happening in many Muslim countries that Christians are imprisoned and tortured and in some cases killed. Um, we have a whole um, set of churches in Southeast Asia right now that are under an oppressive military regime. And, uh, you know, that in, in, in a lot of ways that they're having to meet in, in quiet and in secret, and not just because of, of the oppression, but because there is a war going on within that country. We need to be praying for our Southeast Asian brothers. Or, uh, you know, or in China, even. Um, we know that uh, a lot of Christians are being imprisoned and tortured because of their faith. Uh, they're, they're, um, they're, they're coming after uh, Christians everywhere. And Jesus um, warned us that, that this shouldn't be a surprise. Um, because as soon as we admit the, uh, uh, faith in Christ, uh, because Christ is not of the world, um, we are going to be hated by the world if we are of Christ. And uh, that's, you know, the, the, the godless world wants its own will and way but what God is offering us the God who made this world is offering us his steadfast love and, and, and his, his truth um, which frees us now the question is what do we do in the face of such opposition if we really believe that people's lives and futures are at stake um, doesn't that call us to dedicate ourselves to God and to keep speaking for him we must speak out for our faith, even in the face of opposition. Even in the face of opposition, and we have to remember, as as also as as Timothy, um, our Paul told Timothy, that that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against um, powers and principalities, the the dark, the, the, the rulers of this dark world. Um, he's referring to Satan and his and his demons. That there is a spiritual battle going on for the souls of men and and, and women. And, and, and we have to realize that. But simply because it's a spiritual battle, um, that, that means all the more that we rely on God to help us. And, and that, that's the only way we're going to be witnesses in, in this world. That's the only way that we're going to be um, uh, witnesses for God's moral good in this world is if we throw ourselves completely upon the mercy of God and, and uh, rely on Him and His love and His righteousness. As believers, we must be given over fully dedicated to Him. Now Esther, the, the, the story of Esther presents a, a great example of this 
being able to stand in the face of opposition. I don't know if you know the story of Esther, but, but Esther was a, a Jewess whose parents had died, and her cousin Mordecai had, had adopted her as his daughter. Uh, a lot of the Jews had already returned to their homeland um, in Israel and Jerusalem, but there were a lot of Jews who decided to stay behind uh, to, to live in Persia. They had, for whatever reason, built their lives there and wanted to stay there. Um, Mordecai was an official in the court of the king, so he held you know, an important position, um, and he's one who, who could speak for the Jewish people. Uh, but anyway, um, as the story goes, um, <laughs> uh, King Ahasuerus, or we might as well say King Xerxes, that's easier for me to pronounce, Xerxes, was the Persian king at, at that time. He, he, was, he was the ruler of, of the land of Persia. And of course, um, they had taken over the Babylonian kingdom. And so a lot of Jews still lived in, ba in Babylon and in Susa and in, in that area. And so what, um, what ended up happening was... Uh, the king himself was a pagan king. I mean, let's not uh, have any delusions about that. He was a very pagan king. And he had a, a queen named Vashti who displeased him. Uh, and uh, she uh, was uh, run out of, the, uh, out of the queenship, so to speak. And so uh, the king, Ahasuerus, um, decided to um, hold a beauty contest for the next queen. And so he called all the young women in, in, in the land to, to do this uh, beauty contest. So they were brought into the king one by one. And so uh, Mordecai's um, cousin that he adopted, his, his adoptive daughter, uh, Esther, was brought in before the, the king. And because of her beauty and because of her grace, uh, the king chose her to be the next queen. And it so happened that she happened to be a Jew. <laughs> which, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 they were basically slaves in the Persian Empire at this time. They, they, they were under that, that regime. And so she was placed in, in, in this great and privileged position. Now, over time, uh, Mordecai had the favor of the king as well. Uh, Mordecai um, uncovered a plot against the king and told the king about the plot. And so um, he was um, um, honored. Um, as, as one of the king's officials. Um, but the king had um, <clears throat> another uh, advisor named Haman. And, and Haman was, you know, he, he was also taken from the homeland uh, th there in the, in the northern part of Palestine. And his people had uh, years of conflict with the Jews there. So Haman hated the Jews, and he hated Mordecai in particular. Because Mordecai was a faithful Jew and would not bow down to him whenever he went out in procession. Uh, Haman uh, was a guy who, who liked to, the people to bow down to him. And the reason Mordecai wouldn't bow down is because he says, I, I bow to no one but God, the one true God. He, he's the one that, that, that I worship. And so Haman decided that he would, he would fix this problem and so he went to the king and convinced the king that the Jews in the whole land were traitors. <laughs> and that they were plotting against the king to, to, to overthrow him. And so uh, Haman suggested that what they do is that they uh, plan to do a, a, a mass genocide of the Jewish people within, within the country of Persia. Well, Mordecai catches wind of, of this 
of this law and, and this plot. And so he comes and appeals to Esther. And that's, that brings us to the context where we are right now. Um, the Jewish people were under threat that they were about to be wiped out um, by, by, by the king of Persia. Um, and, you know, she is, was herself a Jew. And Mordecai tells her that, you know, basically you already know um, how, how this, this uh, king treats his queens, especially if they displease him. He says, don't think that you're safe in that palace. And don't, don't think just because you know, you're, you're there in the king's palaces that, that, that you're safe from this execution order. As soon as they find out that you're a Jew, you'll probably be killed. He says, and, and, and if you don't speak to the king on our behalf, um, you know, your house is going to be killed anyway, number one. And number two, he says, it, it, even if um, you, you um, uh, don't stand up for me, Deliverance will come from somewhere else. Now, what's interesting to me about the book of Esther is that God and His name are not mentioned anywhere in the whole book. You may ask, why in the world is, is this a book of the Bible then if God's not mentioned anywhere in it? Well, just because God is not mentioned out loud, just because God Himself doesn't speak in this book, just because God, God does not announce Himself or do some sort of miraculous sign does not mean that, that God is working. In fact, I would say that this is a book about the normal operating procedure of God. People look for signs and wonders. And, and when Jesus came along, you know, there were plenty of signs and, and, signs and, and wonders that He did. But he said that those who seek after a sign are, are, were, were wicked and faithless people. We shouldn't be looking for, for signs of, of God and His moving or, or what He's doing. In fact, he said the only sign that will be given to, to you is, is the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was in the, in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, um, so I will um, be, be in the... In the the grave for three days and three nights and, and then rise again. And so I, so I always say that, that the ultimate sign of, of Jesus' truth and of His promises is His resurrection. And that's the only sign you and I as believers need. What pleases God, and it says it in, in the, both the Old and New Testaments over and over again, is faith. Faith even when we don't see God working. Faith even when we don't um, see His hand. Faith in, in the face of, of threats and oppression. Uh, faith in the times of persecution. Faith in the times of, of any trouble or strife that may be happening. So many times people are, are, are looking for God's signs you know, and, and, uh, and not looking towards God in faith. Now, does God provide signs? Sometimes He does and sometimes He doesn't. That, to me, that's in the purview of God. Sometimes God, God may give a sign to help people strengthen their faith. But, but the normal operating procedure for God is that you and I have faith in Him that He is working. All the circumstances here in, in, in Esther, um, we see God working kind of in the background. And what we might 
normally say is just a series of coincidences um, is, is really, you know, I think God at work. I think coincidence number one is that Mordecai be, uh, was um, a, a head advisor to the, to the, to, uh, the king of Persia. Um, a, a Jew who was dedicated to, to the Lord and, and to following him. Another um, thing that we might see as, as a coincidence, but it's actually God working, is that uh, Mordecai happens to hear two servants plotting to kill the king you know, in the right place, in the right time, and then he goes and, and warns the king about this plot. Another part of this story, too, that, that I didn't mention before is you know, the, the king has, has a dream one night um, about um, the, uh, honoring the man who, um, who, who helped save his life. And the king couldn't recall exactly who it was, so he asked um, his, he gets up in the middle of the night, at, at, wakes up his advi other advisor, tells him to bring me the book um, that, that, that records all of the, um, the good deeds that people have done for me. And he remembers that Mordecai saved his life by uncovering that plot. And so he uh, tells Haman, go to Mordecai, put him on a horse and honor him. And, and, and uh, Haman is incensed because he's already mad at Mordecai. Um, I, I think all of these things are, you know, um, not just coincidences, but, but God working. And, and I would say that the, the overarching um, idea that, that God is working in this whole thing is that, that Esther, of course, is placed as queen. She is placed in a favored position to help her people for just a time like this when, when, when they were going to be oppressed. And so I think, you know, even in the midst of the, these times where we don't actually hear or see signs from God, we can have faith that God is working. Now, I will say this, too, that, that there were specific promises made to the Israelite people. That God would be their God and they would be His people if they obeyed Him fully and kept His commandments. And, and, and the Jews learned to have this full-on dedication to God, especially since they were in exile in Babylon and then later Persia. That they knew that God kept His word. When they were serving Him faithfully, God blessed the land. When they turned to godlessness and wickedness and began oppressing the poor and uh, began copying the idolatry of, of their, their um, uh, enemies, God allowed their enemies to come and take them over. And He, he had promised that to them. But God always had a remnant of people that, that He was willing to save and rescue. He was dedicated to rescuing them. Mordecai had faith that even if Queen Esther didn't um, go speak to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, that deliverance would come from some other source. But either way, Esther was going to be killed. <laughs> but she had an opportunity to go before the king, even though you weren't supposed to initiate contact with the king. The king could summon you, but you couldn't ask to have an audience with the king. But she did ask this audience with the king, but only after she asked the people to pray and fast. Again, another sign of faith. Our faith in God, if we want to see God acting in, 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 in times of danger or toil or oppression, what we need, the first thing we need to do before we even try to act, or, be, or before we go out and try to be witnesses to the world, 
or before we go out and try to try to change things in, in our community. The first and foremost thing we need is faith in God, and, and the way that faith is shown is through prayer and fasting. Those have always been the ways in which um, we, we, we show our faith in God. We, we, and, and prayer and, and fasting are about our humility before God. We turn to Him in prayer in our time of need, in, in, in times of oppression, in times, in, in times of danger. And we ask Him, you know, Lord, we're, we're seeking Your deliverance. Help us in this situation. We are needy people in that we need You. Prayer and fasting are the signs of faith in God. And, and even if we're not seeing God working um, in, in physical, overt ways, we know that when we pray and have faith in Him, that God has promised us, especially those who are believers in the Son, Jesus Christ, and, and, have, and have given our lives to Him, that God will give us special help if we turn to Him in prayer and, and, and in faith. And the other thing that, that Esther calls um, the Jews across the country to do, and, and, and even the, even the, the Jews in, in the palace that were her um, hand, handmaids, it, is to fast. And I think that's one thing that, that we often forget to do. I know that I, you tell, I don't fast a whole lot. <laughs> but, but fasting is, is also a way of, of showing that our, our need for God is greater than our need for food. And that's my question today. Do, do we really believe that? Is, does our, is, is our need for God more important than our need for food? I would say yes, and that, that's, not, that's not easy to say. But if you look back over the whole history of Israel, the first thing God does for them in the wilderness was give them food from heaven. God gave them food. God met their need. When Jesus comes along, He tells people, do not worry. He says, don't be anxious for anything, He tells the people when He preaches. Why? Because if God um, feeds the birds of the air who neither sow nor reap, how much more will He take care of you? If God um, you know, clothes the lily of the field so that they're even more beautiful than, than what King Solomon had, how much more will He clothe you? Fasting is, is also a part of our humility towards God, but it also says, Lord, I don't need anything but you because you're the one who can meet all my needs. Prayer and, and fasting don't manipulate God into doing anything. That's not what I'm saying here. Prayer and fasting is putting all of our trust and faith in God to, 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 to do what He has promised us that He would do. God doesn't always promise us freedom from trouble and strife. God does not always promise us a, 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 a physical rescue. But what God does promise us is to be with us through our trials. And, and might He rescue us? Yes. But the prayer and fasting is all about trusting in God, asking Him to help us, preparing us for, for these desperate times, a time like this. Um, and, and, and God... Um, is, is it may, maybe placing us through these into these situations so that not only are we receiving help, but we can begin to help others. I think, I think that's the main story of Esther here. That, that God has 
keeps His promises to those who are faithful to Him. And when we seek Him through prayer and fasting, God can help us in, in our situations. And even if we don't overtly see His hand, God is always working for us. In other words, we, we can always have faith that God is, is working even if we don't see signs. The, the, this is why I, I don't get too hung up on what's happening over in Israel. I mean, Jesus said, you know, no man knows the day or the hour that the Lord is coming back. We know that, that Israel is, is the covenant people of God. They, they were given that land by God Himself as promised to Abraham. They have a right to, to defend it. They have a right to take care of it. Um, but they also um, need to, um, I think, show a loving restraint based on God's grace for them as, as they go after uh, their, their enemies who have come against them. But, but I, think, I think God will, will continue to protect and help Israel. I think what we're called to do is pray for the peace of Israel. I, I don't think there is a single sign that says the Lord is coming back other than what He promised us in Scripture and He proved it by His resurrection that He is coming back. And so we pray for the peace of Israel. We look for the Lord's return when He has promised to um, save Israel and, and uh, set up His kingdom there. All that's fine. And, and, am I saying it's going to be tomorrow? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Anyone who claims that they know is wrong. And anyone who looks after the sign you know, of God's coming is, is not having, I, I, I don't think, is not really having faith in Christ or in God's promises. When we start looking for signs, I, I think that, that that's more of a lack of faith. And as I said, sometimes God provides signs for us to increase our faith. But we need to have a simple trust in Him. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His word. That is all we need, friends. That is all we need. Do you trust in Him? Are you willing to pray and fast to show your faith in God and, and, and to trust in Him, especially over these situations that are going on in the world with, with Israel and, and other wars too, Ukraine and the things I mentioned happening in Southeast Asia and China and, and in other Muslim countries. Do, do, do we trust the Lord for those things? Do we, do we, do we pray and fast over our, our church and, and over, our, over the sicknesses of our people? Do, do we pray and fast for our own country? And, and, and it's a desperate situation. I can tell you that financially, um, and, and you see it when you go to the grocery stores, that the, the U.S. is wrecked as far as, as far as our economy goes. There might even come a time that we might not be able to have access to what we need. It's already happening in medicine. Who are we going to turn to then when we can't get to the doctor in time? Who are we going to turn to when we can't get the prescriptions that we need? It's got to be faith in Christ, faith in God, turning to Him. Because ultimately, He's all that we have, and ultimately, He's all that we really need. Let's stand.